0: CHAPTER 10 OF THIRTY-TWO-CALIBER BY DONALD MCGIBNEY. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. THIRTY-TWO-CALIBER BY DONALD MCGIBNEY. CHAPTER 10. I ACCUSE ZOLNICK. Mr. Zolnik is busy and can't see you. The girl, evidently a stenographer or a secretary, looked coolly competent in her white shirt-waist and well-made skirt, I WAS SURPRISED TO FIND A YOUNG WOMAN OF HER EVIDENT EDUCATION AND REFINEMENT IN THE EMPLOY OF SUCH A MAN. DID YOU GIVE HIM MY MESSAGE? I ASKED. YES. HE SAID HE WAS NOT INTERESTED. I FELT VAGUELY DISAPPOINTED THAT MY STRATEGY HAD NOT WORKED. I HAD GIVEN THE NAME OF ANDERSON, AND HAD REPRESENTED MYSELF AS THE HEAD OF THE STEAMFITTERS UNION OF CLEVELAND, ANXIOUS FOR INSTRUCTIONS ON HOW TO SETTLE A LABOR PROBLEM IN OUR LOCAL UNION. I had done this, feeling that if I gave my own name, he might refuse to see me. Apparently my alias was to have no better success. When will he be free, can you tell me? I couldn't say, the girl answered. He is very busy at present, but, if you will come in and wait, perhaps he will see you later. It seemed to me that there was the faintest suggestion of a smile on the girl's face, as I stepped across the threshold and into the small waiting-room, but I hadn't a chance to observe more closely, for she turned her back on me and once again resumed her typewriting. The room in which I found myself was one of a dingy suite in an old warehouse that had been converted into a newspaper building to house the Uplift, a weekly paper, edited by a Russian Jew named Borsky and financed by Schreiber. It was a typical anarchistic sheet and had been suppressed for a time during the war. Opposite where I sat was a door from which the paint had peeled in places. This evidently led into Zalnik's office, for I could hear the murmur of voices behind it. The rooms were ill-lighted and unclean, and it made me mad to see as nice a girl as the stenographer working herself to death, in such dingy surroundings and for such a man as Zalnik. I watched her as she worked and marveled that anyone could make her fingers go so rapidly. I noticed with admiration and dissatisfaction that, unlike my stenographers, she didn't have to stop to erase a misspelled word every two minutes. I wondered what salary Zalnitch paid her and if she would like to change employers. I hope you will pardon my interrupting your work, I began. You're not, the girl responded without even glancing up. May I ask if you are entirely satisfied with your employment here? "'Why do you ask?' she inquired, stopping for a moment and fixing me with clear gray eyes. "'I am badly in need of a competent stenographer, and I thought you might prefer working in a place where the surroundings are pleasanter and the pay is probably higher.' She studied me a moment, as though card-indexing me, then having apparently decided that I was in earnest, and not merely trying to flirt, that elusive smile again played about her mouth. "'You are the first steam-fitter I ever met that found himself badly in need of a stenographer.' "'Caught!' I bit my lip at the stupid blunder, but had to laugh in spite of myself. "'Your makeup is all wrong, Mr. Anderson, if your name is Anderson. "'I don't know what you are trying to do, nor why you picked out steam-fitter as your mythical life-work, "'but I do know you aren't a detective.' "'This time the smile came out in the open. "'I liked her immensely.' "'She might make an ally. "'She would at least know what had happened in the office "'during the last few days. "'Miss... "'Miller,' she added. "'Miss Miller, I am a lawyer, "'and my sister is about to be accused of a terrible crime, "'which she didn't commit. "'I think I know who did commit it, "'but so far I haven't been able to connect him "'definitely with the crime. "'I think you can help me. "'Will you?' "'What makes you think I can help you?' "'She asked. "'Because you are so situated "'you can observe the person I believe "'to be responsible for the crime,' I replied. "'Her gaze changed from pleasant questioning "'to indignant surprise. "'When she spoke, her voice was coldly final. "'I think you have made a mistake "'in judgment of character. "'Please let me finish my work now. "'Miss Miller, please don't think for a minute that I— "'Behind me a door opened,' and, as I turned, I found myself looking into the wrathful eyes of a stunted little man with an enormous head. Anyone who has once seen Zalnik can never forget him. His wizened, misshapen body is a grotesque caricature of a man's, which, surmounted by his huge head with its bushy hair, makes him look for all the world like some scientist's experiment. In the doorway to Zalnik's private office stood Schreiber, "'a heavily-jowled, unsmiling mastiff of a man. "'What do you want, that you should be keeping my stenographer from working?' Zalnik's voice rose in a shrill crescendo. "'Get out of here. You have no business here. Get out. Zalnik, I came here to speak to you. "'Get out!' he screamed. "'I won't talk with you. "'I have no time to waste, even if you have. "'I know who you are. "'You're the brother-in-law of Felderson.' THE BLOOD-SUCKING MILLIONAIRE WHO SENT ME TO JAIL. I WON'T TALK WITH YOU, DO YOU HEAR? AS HE GREW MORE EXCITED, I SEEMED TO GROW COLDER. Zalnik, I'M GOING TO SWEAR OUT A WARRANT AGAINST YOU FOR MY BROTHER'S MURDER. FOR A MOMENT THE LITTLE MAN BLINKED AT ME IN AMAZEMENT. THEN HE THREW BACK HIS HEAD AND LAUGHED, A SHRILL, GIGGLING SQUEAK. WITH HIS FISTS HE POUNDED HIS MISSHAPEN LEGS. "'You are arresting me for murder? "'He-he, you hear, Schreiber? "'He is going to... to arrest me!' "'Suddenly he stopped as quickly as he had started. "'Go ahead, arrest me, try to send me to prison again. "'I'll make you sweat blood before you are through. "'You think I killed him, your brother? "'I wish I had. "'I'd be proud to say I killed him, you hear? "'I wish I had killed him.' "'I wish he were alive so I could kill him myself.' "'The little monstrosity emphasized each of his staccato sentences "'by stamping a puny foot on the floor. "'His gloating over Jim's death was more than flesh could stand. "'Stop!' I yelled. "'If it wasn't you that killed him, "'it was one of those murderous cutthroats and anarchists that hang with you. "'If it wasn't you, then it was Schreiber's son,' That Prussian jailbird or one of his friends. Zalnik's eyes blazed. You call us anarchists and cutthroats? You who are a product of the rotten government that has ground down an oppressed people I represent? Because we rebel, you throw us in prison, making a mockery of your boasted liberty. So they did for a time in Russia. You call us cutthroats? It's a good term. I hope to God we earn that title. Finding that the talk was turning into political harangue, I turned my back on Zalnik and started toward the door. Schreiber followed me. Just one minute, there was heavy menace in his look. You galled my son a chill bird a minute ago. He was in jail because he did right, but that don't matter. You excited because your brother was killed. We don't know nothing about it. We heard about it next day. I don't have nothing against Velderson, but if you do try to put my son Karl in jail again, something will happen to you. I'm telling this to you for your own good. Disappointed at the interview, I closed the door behind me and started down the hall. I don't know just what I had hoped to find out, but I thought zalnitch would betray himself in some way, must in some way show his guilty knowledge of Jim's death. "'Instead he had laughed at me when I threatened to arrest him, "'even wished he could claim the credit for the crime. "'I heard the pattering of feet and turned around to find Miss Miller behind me. "'Mr. Thompson?' "'Yes, Miss Miller. "'A few moments ago you asked me to help you discover who killed your brother-in-law. "'For some reason you think Mr. Zalnick had something to do with it, "'and you wanted me to give you any information I could about him?' "'Yes,' I responded. "'When you made the proposal I was very angry "'because I resented your thinking I'd spy on my employer. "'However, your suspicions are so ridiculous, "'I feel it only fair to tell you that you're wasting your time.' "'What makes you so sure that Zalnick had nothing to do with it, Miss Miller? "'Because I know he is utterly incapable of doing anything of that kind,' she answered. "'I half smiled.' "'Mr. Zalnick has the reputation of holding life very cheaply, "'that is, the lives of others who stand in his way. "'He hated my brother-in-law for that very reason. "'If he didn't kill him, it wasn't because he didn't want to. "'For proof of it, you heard what he just said in there.' "'The girl looked me over for a minute. "'A faraway look had come into her eyes. "'Mr. Thompson, Mr. Zalnick is obsessed by a wonderful idea.' You people call him Bolshevist and anarchist because he is trying to overthrow the existing order of things. In working out his great theory, he would stamp out a nation if it interfered with the fulfillment of his plan. And he would not think that he had done anything wrong. In fact, he would think it was the only thing to do. In that much, he holds life cheaply. But if you think he would descend to wreaking vengeance on individuals for personal spite... "'You are all wrong. He is too big a man for that. "'Did Zalnik send you out to say this to me?' I asked suspiciously. "'The girl flushed angrily. "'Really, Mr. Thompson, you make it almost impossible for anyone to help you. "'Instead of being sent, I may be dismissed for having come out here to talk to you. "'You asked for my assistance, and now that I have tried to give it to you, "'you make me regret the impulse.' She turned and started to leave, but I called her back. Miss Miller, please forgive me and don't think me ungrateful. Mr. Felderson meant more to me than any person living, and I have made up my mind to bring his murderer to justice if I have to devote the rest of my life to it. I know that I have been jumping to conclusions. I've done a lot of things since Mr. Felderson's death that I can't understand myself, things that were entirely unlike me. "'but I feel that I would be a traitor to my brother-in-law's memory "'unless I follow every possible clue. "'He has only three enemies, and one was Zolnik who threatened him. "'Isn't it only natural that I should suspect him?' "'Her look was entirely sympathetic as she replied, "'I know how Mr. Felderson's death must have affected you, Mr. Thompson, "'and I do want to help you. "'You say he had three enemies?' "'then I advise you to look for the other two, "'for I am positive Mr. Zalnick had nothing to do with the murder.' "'I thanked her and went down the rickety stairs, "'believing somehow that she had told me the truth. "'But if not Zalnick, then who?' "'I knew that in less than a week, "'as soon as Helen was well enough to stand the shock, "'she would be indicted, "'unless in the meantime I could discover the murderer.' Helen had regained consciousness the night before, but was far too weak to undergo any questioning. My impatience at the delay necessary before she could tell the story of the crime had driven me, most foolishly, I now realize, into trying to force Zalnik to a guilty admission of complicity. When I got hold of myself I knew well enough that the only sensible course was to wait until Helen should be able to clear up the mystery— So I went to the office and began the heavy task of putting Jim's effects in order. End of chapter 10